0: Good morning, Grace Church. This morning's scripture reading comes from the book of John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. This charge I have received from my father. Thanks, Dana.
1: Good morning. Got some questions for you. You ready? Kids, I need you guys to tell your parents your answers to these later. Three sets of questions. If someone were to give you $50 million, $50 million, what would you spend it on? What are the first three things you'd buy? Would you save any of it? And if so, for what? All right, same basic idea, different angle. If you were given one year, one year, blank check, whole year to do whatever you wanted, all expenses paid, freed up from all other responsibilities, what would you do? Or what would you not do?
0: Where would you go? What would you eat? Who would you take with you?
1: One more. Uh, grandparents, especially, but all of you. If you were able to insure any ten things for your grandchild, so any ten things, write them down, make a list. If you could ensure any ten things for your grandchild, what would be on your list? Looks, education, health, spouse, kids, character, religion, finances. What would make the list? In John ten ten, Jesus said that he came so that his people might have life. And have it abundantly. The key questions, of course, are what did he mean by abundant life and how do we get it? What exactly constitutes such a life and where does it come from? And maybe you've already made the connection, but the reason I asked you those questions is because your answers to them go a long way. You know, it's kind of sneaky. I tricked you. Not You didn't know where I was going with this, but what it did is hopefully helps you to see your answer to that question. What is the abundant life and how do you get it? That's what your answers really reveal. So if you didn't answer, then take some time later and work through that as carefully as you can. But this morning, we're going to compare that, is my hope anyway, your answers to what Jesus says. We're going to consider what Jesus meant by the abundant life. We're going to do so in order to help us compare it to our own operating understanding. You, you probably have a, a theological answer, or maybe a biblical answer to some of those questions, but what functionally does your life suggest your answers are? So we're going to look at what Jesus meant. We're going to do so in order to help us compare it to our operating understanding, in order to help us recalibrate our lives wherever we find a discrepancy in order to live and pursue the abundant life that Jesus came to bring. No, no, you know, simple stuff like that. So to those ends, we're going to consider what John says in our passage this morning, 10 1 through 18, about the abundant life. We're going to zoom out a little bit more with broader brush strokes, of course, to consider what he says about it in his entire gospel. And then we're going to zoom out one more time to consider what the whole Bible says about the abundant life that Jesus came to bring. And I'm going to close with two quick things. One is, if that's what it is, what does that mean that it isn't? I think that's helpful too. And then lastly, if that's what it is and isn't, how do we get from here to there? I'll close with that. Let's pray now that God would be pleased to accomplish these things through these means and much, much more. God, thank you for your word, thank you for your people, thank you for your spirit, and thank you for your son. Thank you that you have sent your son in love to us, that we might have life and have it to the full. Help us to understand what that means, help us by your spirit to understand it such that we long for it with all that we have, in the knowledge that that is what we were made for, and the, and the knowledge that the alternative is not just not as good, but horrific. It is the kind of eternal death that we deserve in our sin. And so God, give us, give us an awesome picture this morning through your, your word, through John's gospel, especially of what the abundant life is that Jesus had in mind. Smash our two small understandings by your spirit. Give us eyes to see what's really there in order again, that we might long for it with all that we have. Rejoice that Christ came not not just to make it a possibility, but to win it for us, to ensure it for all who would trust in him. Give us a picture of what it is and how to get there and where it's all going. I pray that as a result, we would live every moment of every day with a heart longing for it, even as we walk in contentment in your timing as you bring us to it. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So once again, the sermon flows out of John 10.10, mainly, which records Jesus' declaration. He says this, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Well, the word translated abundantly is not a common one in the New Testament. It's fairly unusual. It is the same word as uh, Paul uses in 2 Corinthians 1.5 when he says this, For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ, we share abundantly in His comfort too. It's the same root word as we find in Ephesians 3 and 2 Thessalonians 1 and 2 Corinthians 2. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power, according to the power at work within us. Second Thessalonians one three says, "We always give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly." And Second Corinthians two four says, "For I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart, and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you." You get a sense of how this is used, both of abundant suffering and pain, and jo- joining in Christ's struggles, but also abundant love and faith and goodness. In simplest terms, in this sense, abundant, abundance means over and above, excessive, overflowing, superfluous. That's a good word. It means beyond the minimum requirements or more than sufficient. It means abounding. Jesus came to give us life that is over and above, excessive, superfluous, compared to any and all life apart from him. He came to give us life that is overflowing and abounding, compared to that which is the most most people can imagine. So what exactly does life, this life consist of? Like I said, let's begin by looking at John 10, 1 through 18. In our passage for this morning, Jesus said a number of things about the abundant life that he came to bring. And I want you to notice something, and I'm going to increasingly explain this, but I want you to get it from the beginning. The things he says are fairly neatly divided between describing the path to abundant life and the nature of the abundant life. And so he he deals with both. What is the path we need to walk? What does it look like, feel like? What happens on it? What doesn't? And where is it going? Where does it end? What is the fullness of abundant life? And so as I work through them, along with the rest of what the Bible says about it, I encourage you to do two things, first, consider carefully whether they refer to the path of abundance or the nature of abundance and and here's tipping my hand a little bit, often it's both. The path is part of where we're going, so pay attention though is it talking about the path or the nature of the abundance or both and then second, here's the thing. I started counting and I lost count. It got overwhelming. There's a lot going on here, and so i'm gonna this is i mean. I don't know. This is like a fire hydrant, and I'm just telling you that now. I, I lost count at around 40 or 50, and so there's a lot coming at you. Um, and so here's here's the thing: you're never going to be able to get your head around all of this, of course. But I suggest you focus on jotting down one or two that really stand out. I'm gonna I'm gonna go through a lot. Pick one or two that really stand out. Pull up the manuscript later. Uh, it'll go online later today or tomorrow. Go back, look at it, look at the passages that are in it, and drill down in those find find one that God stirs your heart in particular with that you're you're neglecting or that you would like to have more of, or that you know someone in your life who needs to understand this, so find one or two and drill down and then secondly or th- lastly, thirdly, ask God to help you know what the Bible does say about all this clearly, carefully compared to. Your operating understanding, the questions I asked earlier and your answers to them. So again, number one, are they the path or the nature of abundance? Number two, pick one or two. And number three, ask God to help you to compare that to how you're functioning and living currently. So with that, eight things from John 10, 1 through 18. The abundant life involves Jesus, it involves hearing Jesus voice as it truly is, namely, As the voice of God. In his initial parable, Jesus said of a good shepherd and, and then later told us he is the good shepherd. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Grace? Wanna live an abundant life? The fullness of life for which Jesus came? It begins when Jesus calls and we hear his voice for what it is. The voice of the very son of God the second person of the Holy Trinity. Jesus alone is wise enough to know what the abundant life is, and he alone has the authority to declare it to the world. And his voice alone is powerful enough to summon dead men and women to it. For these reasons, to live abundantly, we must hear his voice, receive it as true and good and beautiful, far above all other voices. We must believe Jesus and all that he says, love it for what it is, and live in light of it for all, in all that we do. Second, the abundant life then, having heard his voice means not only hearing it, but following it. It means following Jesus as again, as of a good shepherd, Jesus says, which he is, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He goes before them and they follow him. Jesus alone among men has perfectly experienced the abundant life. The abundant life, therefore, means living as Jesus lived, doing what he did, feeling what he feels, believing what he believes, loving what he loves, hating what he hates, going where he went, pursuing the kinds of people that he pursues, saying the kinds of things that he said. It means following him. Peter, who likely was there to hear Jesus' words in John 10, said it this way in his letter, 1 Peter chapter 2. Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps to live the abundant life. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Number three, the abundant life means being reconciled to God through Jesus. We hear his voice. We follow him to where he leads. That's part of what it meant by the fact that Jesus is the door in verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He said, he'll say the same thing basically later in John in chapter 14. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Grace, as I hope you know, at the heart of Christianity and at the heart of why Jesus came to earth as a man, is the reality that all mankind, since Adam, has fallen into sin and the death that it warrants. In this way, we are born separated from fellowship and at enmity with God. We need to be saved. We need to pass from death to life. That's why Jesus says, I know, Jesus doesn't just say, I came to give abundant life. He says, I came to give life and life abundantly. We need to be made alive so that we can be made alive to the full. We need to be saved. We need to pass from death to life. Jesus alone is the door by which we may do so. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, may we be saved into life and fullness of life. Number four, the abundant life, we saw this a bit last week, means being protected by Jesus. Once we have entered into the Father's pleasure through the only door, that is through faith in Jesus, we are welcomed into the the kind of abundant life that will never know ultimate harm. Once Jesus calls us into his protection, no power of hell and no scheme of man can ever pluck us from his hand. The key for us to understand, according to John's gospel, is that both Jesus' reconciling and protecting work, the work he did to bring us to God and the work he does to protect us from ultimate harm, come to us because he laid his life down for us. He offered his life for ours to die sin's death and to keep us from final harm. He said, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. What's more, he didn't merely lay it down, but he laid it down so that he could take it up again. That is, Jesus willingly laid his life down for us And rose from the dead that we might be united with him in everlasting abundant life, eternally protected from ultimate harm. Number five, the abundant life includes provision for every need. The abundant life comes from hearing Jesus voice, responding to it in faith that we might be reconciled to God, living continually in Jesus perfect protection and according to the second half of verse nine, with perfect provision. Jesus came to bring a life of abundant pasture, nourishment, provision for all who go out by him. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. No ultimate harm will ever befall you in Jesus, and no ultimate need will ever go unmet in you for Jesus, in Jesus. Just as you never again need to be worried about being devoured if your hope is in Christ, with Jesus at the door, neither do you need to worry anymore about being starved. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. This is Matthew 6, Jesus speaking. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, it is is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Number six. In spite of all of these things and all of these blessings or along with them, the abundant life includes hardship, at least for now. And yet, even the most basic reading of this passage, John's Gospel and the rest of the Bible, helps us to see that the kind of salvation, protection, provision that Jesus brings his people does not free us from all hardship in this life. For now, living abundantly is not the same as living comfortably. It will be. I'll come back to that. But for now, it isn't. There are still thieves and robbers, Jesus says, that are still seeking to do us harm. Jesus promises not that they will never have any measure of success in that, only that if they do on any level, it will be to your greater abundance still and to their destruction. Number seven, the abundant life means knowing and being known by Jesus. To know Jesus' teaching, to be forgiven of sin, to be kept from ultimate harm, and to have unending provision combined, all of those things still fall short of a truly abundant life. That's staggering. To have all of those things but not to be in fellowship with Jesus is not abundant abundance. But Jesus accomplished all of those things and fellowship with him, the Father and the Spirit, through his death and resurrection. We can truly know Jesus and be known by him. I know my own and my own know me, he says in verse 14. And what's more, and what's more staggering still, is not just that we, it's not just that we know and are known by Jesus. What's truly staggering is the manner in which we will know one another. Again, we saw this a bit last week. It is in the same way though, not to the same extent because we're finite. As Jesus and the Father know one another, that is abundance of life. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. This is not the place to unpack fully this magnificent truth, but if it, to be known and known by Jesus as He and the Father know one another didn't, wasn't your answer to any of the questions I asked at the beginning, it's only because you don't really yet grasp what this means. As I, So I'll get to a bit more later. There is no greater thing. Lastly, number eight, the abundant life means being united with people from every tribe and tongue and people group in fellowship with Jesus. From this passage, we see that the abundant life is not something that's given to a simple, merely to a single person, merely to a single clan, merely to a single nation at any particular time. It is for all who will hear and respond to Jesus' voice. Verse 16, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also, and they too will listen to my voice, so that there will be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus will bring in sheep from every corner of the world for every point in time until he returns to fullness of life. Right? By themselves, these eight things are truly staggering. But there's more still. You ready? Let's let's zoom out to John's Gospel and see even more. Having considered the abundant life in just our passage, let's let's get up a little higher still. I'm gonna take you through all 21 chapters, hitting every major description of the abundant life. 34 of them. Pick a couple. Focus on them. This will be quick ish as we've already seen we're on chapter 10 we're through verse 18 or verse 21 we've already seen abundant life in Jesus is to walk in the light grace church which overcomes all darkness it is to know true and ultimate victory against everything that would set itself up against god the abundant life in jesus is to be adopted as god's own sons and daughters the abundant life is to see Jesus full of glory and grace and truth. To live the abundant life of Jesus is to live under the perfect reign of King Jesus within the kingdom of Jesus, which he declared is here, has come and is coming. Living the abundant life is to have Jesus entrust himself to us. Living the abundant life means being born again. In this way, living the abundant life means being born of both the flesh and again in the spirit. The abundant life that Jesus came to bring includes living in the everlasting love of our Heavenly Father and Son. To live the abundant life in Jesus is to know no condemnation or judgment ever. Living in true abundance means receiving the Holy Spirit of God, John tells us, without measure, without end. The abundant life includes drinking from streams of living water, which will quench our thirst permanently. The abundant life means worshiping God in spirit and truth. Living the abundant life in Jesus means joyfully proclaiming the good news of Jesus to the world. It means not just receiving this for ourselves and being transformed by it, but sharing it in all of its implications and all of Jesus' commandments for the good of all of the world. Living the abundant life in Jesus means eating and being satisfied forever, eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Those who live the abundant life will never be cast out. The abundant life is one in which Jesus' word knows, which abides in Jesus' word, knows the truth from Jesus' word and has been set free by Jesus' word. The abundant life is one that is moved from blindness, which you didn't even know you had, to sight, which you didn't even know was possible. That's what we've already seen. What we have yet to see as we continue to make our way through the gospel is that living the abundant life in Jesus that Jesus came to bring means living in such a way that we'll never truly taste death. Living the abundant life means hating our lives in this world and having the world hate us in our lives. Living the abundant life means being honored by the Father. We talk a lot at Grace Church about honoring God and glorifying God. Well, the abundant life that Jesus came to bring means God will honor us as well. Those who live in the abundance Jesus promised are sons of light. The abundance of life includes being a foot washer and a servant to all. The abundant life is a life filled with love for God. We saw that it was from God, but it's also for God and the people of God. The abundant life has a room prepared for it in the Father's house. Living abundantly means keeping Jesus' commandments. The abundant life is to be in Jesus and to have Jesus in us. The abundant life is a life of peace and fullness of joy. The abundant life is a life that bears abundant fruit of godliness, where godliness flows out of us. Living the abundant life means asking for whatever we wish in the Father's name, asking for whatever we wish of the Father in Jesus' name and having it done for us. The abundant life is a life of friendship with Jesus. The abundant life is a life having been chosen by Jesus. The abundant life is a life of conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Living abundantly is living in unity with the saints. The abundant life Jesus came to bring is a life sanctified in truth and living abundantly according to John's gospel is to be sent into the world to proclaim the good news 17 chapter 17 verse 18 what a list <laughs> 42 so far even looking quickly through one book in the bible we can see clearly how awesome Jesus words in John 10 truly are by grace but grace as you know we don't have just one book of the bible The entire Bible is filled with further descriptions of the good news of this abundant life. We would do well to read the Bible this year through that lens. What is the fullness of life which Jesus came to bring us? Just keep that rattling around in the back of your head as you read your Bibles this year. What would you see? What would you find? Well, what according to God's word as a whole constitutes full and abundant life and broadest broadest brushstrokes? Here's what it says. Grace God made us to live abundant lives. That's what we were made for, full of perfect harmony and peace and provision and efficiency and order and satisfaction and fellowship with God and with mankind. That's what we were made for. Abundant lives were what God created us to have. But secondly, sin, however, brought corruption and death into the world and made fullness of life impossible for mankind. We were not made grace. Consider for a minute the type of frustration and futility and discouragement and even death and sickness and inefficiency and loneliness and hardship and pain that you've known and the people in your lives have known. The Bible teaches that God made us for abundance, but sin, through sin, we experience anything but. And we were not made to live in that. Number three. Nevertheless, because of God's love for the world and his passion for his glory, God promised to restore mankind to fullness of life. And he gave continual continual reminders of that, these promises and glimpses of what it would look like. So from the beginning of the Bible, we see his creation and the goodness of it and what we were made for in abundance, but also the fall and its curse and the death and struggles. Well, through all of that, God continually promised in love to do something about that, to make a way out and gave us glimpses of it. He promised to do do so through an offspring of Eve and then expanded and continued to unpack that promise for millennia. And God gave glimpses of the fullness of life through Noah and then Moses and then Abraham and the prophets and even greater glimpses still through Israel's unparalleled prosperity in almost every way through David and Solomon and temple life and abundance and unity among God's people and victory over the enemies of God. And then when God sent his son, Jesus, we were shown true abundance of life for the first time since the fall in him. All of the promises of God were all found to be. Yes. As we've seen, he is the way and the truth and the life Not one among many, but the one. He gave his life as a ransom for sinners, for all who would receive him in faith, that we might be united with him in his resurrection and fullness of life. What's more, when Jesus ascended to the Father, abundance of life came even more fully still. Jesus himself telling us, it's better for you when I ascend, because the Father would send the Spirit to dwell in all who believe in Jesus. And yet, Grace, as we feel deeply and have seen over and over, God's Word teaches that there is still a not yetness to full and complete abundance of life, even for those of us who are in Christ. It is promised and certain. In Jesus, we are on its path. For now, though, the abundant life we live, though real and true, is incomplete. Lastly, then, the fullness of the abundant life is that which we will experience in the new heavens and the new earth. When death is finally dead and the effects of sin have been erased forever, the fullness of the abundant life will only finally be ours when Jesus returns and we are able to have perfect, uninterrupted fellowship with God face to face as one man does with another. Which is why we read at the end, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more and I saw the holy city New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. This is what Jesus came to bring. He will dwell with him and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God from the garden to the greater garden. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of water a life without payment." the one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. And so when we put all of this together, John 10, John's gospel, the whole Bible, we're able to see that the path to fullness of life is coming to God in repentance and belief through Jesus empowered by his spirit. It is living with God's help, grace, according to God's design, commands, and promises, no matter the consequences. And while walking this path will be marked in this life by varying stages and degrees of prosperity and persecution, and while fullness of abundance won't be ours until the new heavens and earth, walking this path is truly one (laughs) with joy found nowhere else. Grace to the path to fullness of life is fullness of life. And here's the other key. Jesus is the way and the fulfillment of abundant life. He is the path and the goal. He is the means and the object. We must come through him and he is the end of it all. He is the way to fullness of life and fellowship with him is fullness of life. If we leave out either component, if we try to come by any other way or go towards any other goal, we cannot know true abundance. And we will remain lost. If that's what it is, as awesome as that is, what isn't it? Three things. First, it's not up to us to decide. I hope you see that. I hope that's plain. If all of this is what abundance of life is, the first thing that it isn't is up to us to decide. It is not whatever we or anyone else might make it out to be or want it to be. We do not create it or control it. It is not living consistently with our true selves. It is not subjectively or individually defined. It is not what society around us determines, no matter how vehemently it believes otherwise. Second, it is not anything we can attain on our own. We cannot live as we are made to live in the fullness of life we were made to experience by any power we possess. Forsake that now, Grace. We're all trying to do that in some measure. Stop. It will be given to us by God or we will not have it. No amount of increased technology or prosperity or knowledge can bring about true abundance of life. And third, it is not finally found in anything under the sun. The abundant life isn't anything this world has to offer. It is not found in any created thing, combination of created things, or quantity of created things. World history, if you study it carefully, you'll see that it is largely the story of fallen mankind falling into these errors and therein knowing only, whether immediate or eventual, futility and disappointment. Do you know what biblical history is? It's the same thing. It's the story of God allowing his rebellious people to try on various combinations of these three lies that it's up to us to decide that we can have it on our own or that it's found in anything under the sun. That's what biblical history is, is God allowing his rebellious people to try on various combinations of these errors that we might learn their impotence and turn finally to him. Well, by God's grace, may we learn both from what God's word says about what abundant life is, from where it comes, but also what it says it isn't and where it isn't found. Well, that's what abundant life is, and that's what it isn't. How do we get there from here? How do we get to the abundant life Jesus spoke of in verse 10? Number one, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. I hope that's plain. I hope you've seen that. I hope that's obvious. I hope you remember hearing that since Sunday school. There is no other door. There is no other satisfying food or drink. There is no other good shepherd. There is no other vine. There is no other way. Life and fullness of life come only by turning to Jesus in faith. Second, forsake all other paths. Positively, it comes only through Jesus. Negatively, it comes through no other way. Forsake all other paths. The abundant life doesn't merely begin with Jesus. It continues only in Jesus. It cannot be found in Jesus plus anything else. Grace, with God's help, determine to fix your eyes entirely and exclusively on Jesus. Third, Give yourself to the Word of God. The path to and nature of the abundant life that Jesus came to bring are uniquely recorded in the Bible. Therefore, living an abundant life means being people of the book. It means being people who read and study and memorize it. It means being people who continually seek to understand and delight in and obey it. Number four, ask God for it. it sounds simple. All of a sounds like basic Sunday school lessons, and they are. Ask God for it. Ultimately, life, abundant life, and knowledge of it and desire for it are gifts that God alone can give. As you find promises and descriptions of abundant life in God's word and hear them discussed and celebrated and see them lived out among God's people, give yourself to asking God for them in you and in his people. Lastly, finally, go after it. Get after it. Work it out with fear and trembling. Strive for it is how Paul talks. Beat his body for it. Walking the path of abundant life is and always has been and always will be until Christ returns a mysterious combination of God graciously empowering you and our earnestly striving for it. That's how it works. If God doesn't work, you cannot know life and neither can I. But God's work, Grace, but God's work in us always leads to our work. Therefore, walk in the path given to you by Jesus, determined to do so. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. Find Jesus' commands and obey them. Find Jesus' promises and believe them. Find Jesus' examples and follow them. Find Jesus' people and join them. Find Jesus' lost sheep and call them. Find Jesus and love him. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly.